Welcome to Shoreline City. My name is Earl, and so glad all of you are here. Can we give it up for all of our first-time guests, too? Everybody online, first time in the room. We love you. Hey, we're cheering for you. We've been praying for you all week. Matter of fact, we've been praying for every last one of you. Whether you're single or married, tall, short, whether you got a whole bunch of money in your bank account or you are negative $37.44. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, how do they know? Uh, no matter where you are on the journey, we're believing that God's going to meet you today. He's going to meet you exactly where you, need, where you need him to meet you. And the prayers that you've been praying in secret, that God is even going to begin to answer those things today and give you the hope in life that you're looking for. Why don't you turn around and say hello to somebody next to you. Uh, give them a high five. Give them a hug. Come on, make sure they feel special. Make, make sure the people around you feel at home. Come on online, let us know where you're tuning in from. Let us know, put it in the chat. We love you all so very much. You may be seated after you give your hellos and high fives. I know some of y'all do not like turning and greeting. I know you don't like it, but we're doing it anyway. I, I want to make sure you get to see somebody looking at you eyeball to eyeball. And then if you're online, somebody in the chat just reminding you that you are loved, that you are seen. That's why we have all the amazing parking team and the hosts at the doors and people in the chat just trying to say, hey, we see you. You are not just some random human being, but God has beautiful worth and value on your life. We want to remind you uh, of that. Uh, glad you are here. Some of you, uh, last week, you'll remember we talked about a quick little building update because for our uh, online family and this White Rock campus, we've got a new home and headquarters that is on the horizon, and we're very excited about it. So uh, I gave an update. I did a video on Instagram, and uh, you can scan this QR code uh, as well. You might be able to text building update. I'm not sure. I think you can do that. You can text building update to 73,000 and we'll let you know uh, where we're at in the process and what's going on. And we're really, really excited about this. And all of us uh, have a part to play. Our online family cannot wait to see the impact of this new home and headquarters for us here at Shoreline City. Uh, if you uh, are new to Shoreline, we have a creed that we do every week. We'll give you a snapshot of what we believe and what we're about as a church. We're gonna put the creed on the screen uh, so we can all say it together on the count of three. Let's do this. Y'all ready? One, two, three. I cannot earn it. I cannot lose it. In Christ, I am forgiven and made brand new. I live with passion and purpose. I am empowered by the Spirit to be the church in the world and to live for the glory of God. Man, oh man, that's it. Okay, that is our creed today. Welcome to everyone I'm excited about today. I want to read these powerful verses to all of us right out the gate. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. It reads, and these are some good, these are some good verses right here, y'all. You see, at just the right time when you were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, still 
sinners, Christ died for us. The title of today's message is God Did It Anyway. God did it anyway. Matter of fact, turn to the person next to you and say, God did it anyway. Even online. Turn to your second choice. Come on, tell them, God did it anyway. Tell them it's not personal. I just like the other person a little bit more than you. That's why I turn to them first. God did it anyway. God did it anyway. When I didn't deserve it, God did it anyway. When I did not think I was going to make it out of the pit, God did it anyway. When I thought the grief was going to overwhelm me and kill me, God did it anyway. When I thought I would be lost forever, God did it anyway. I thought I'd be bound, I'd be broken, I'd be dirty, I'd be unclean forever, but God in his grace and in his mercy, God did it anyway. We're going to celebrate today the God that we serve, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, that while we were still lost and in our brokenness and in our disconnection from God, God pursued us. He did it anyway. I didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. Anybody in additional seating online right now in the room, you didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it, but God did it anyway because all of us have messed up. Can we just admit that? I mean, all of us have messed up. Now, some of our mess-ups have been huge mess-ups, right? We just like really, really messed up. And others are like, ah, I mean, I messed up. wasn't that big. I remember... When I first went to the dark side, this is at the very, I'm 10 years old, okay, 10 years old. This is, my, this is one of my first mess ups that I remember, 10 years old, and we're at the Heartland Grocery Store. It's me, my mom, a friend of my mom's, uh, this guy, and my little sister. She's four years younger than me, and uh, Simone, if you're watching right now, I just want to say I apologize for this, but uh, we, were, we were standing uh, at, the, at the checkout line, this is before self-checkout. There was no self-checkout. You had to stand in the long line, and we're standing there in the line. And I'm like, like I said, like 10. My sister's like 6, and I turn to her and I say, Simone, want some candy? She, yeah, 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 I want some. Okay. So I'm right there next to the, the candy, you know, the, you, know, the little, 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 you know, the little kiosk candy. And uh, I go... Matter of fact, toss, toss, me my, toss me my stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Thank you. It was a Reese's peanut butter cup. I still remember it. <laughs> Put it in my pocket. It was a Kit Kat. I thought, oh, I got one thing. Let me go ahead and get something else real quick. I slip, I slip it in the pocket. My sister, she's looking at me. She's like, give me some. Girl, girl chill, 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 chill. <laughs> look, look straight, look straight, look straight, look straight. We get in the car. And uh, my mom is uh, talking to her friend, and we're in the back seat, me and my little sister, and I take out those Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. God made these. You all know that, right? <laughs> and I open it, and chocolate fills the car. My mom turns to her friend and says, hey, give me some of that chocolate you got. And he says, I don't have any chocolate. I speak in a sweat. <laughs> Come on, give me some chocolate. I don't have any chocolate. She turns around, looks back at me. I take this Reese's peanut butter cup, toss it into my sister's lap. 
Mom, I don't know what's going. No, I, I, I didn't do. I didn't do that. We got home, y'all. <laughs> my mom, whoop my behind with a belt. Okay, this is this is belt days. I know we don't use belts anymore. Belt. She whooped my behind. Boy, you gonna try to steal? But she couldn't catch me. I'm, I wasn't going down easy. <laughs> If you want this, mom, you're gonna have to find it, okay? So I'm hiding, doing all the different moves, which always made it worse for me. Uh, I listened for my little sister. She got like little three, like three, like boom, boom, boom. It was real easy, but my sister would just lay there, like, you know, she didn't know what she was doing. I, I'm running around. So that, that was my first felony. And no, I, don't even know, I don't even know what's a felony. That's a misdemeanor, right? Some of y'all know, tell me, okay? <laughs> oh, who wants these Kit Kats? Uh, we've got our youth, our youth over here. Youth, okay, let me see if I can make that. Almost, almost made it. Who wants Reese's Peanut Butter Cup? Oh, you like that? Okay, there you go. Yeah, you're welcome. God bless you. God bless you. That, that's a small mess up, obviously. That, that's not huge, but some of us, we have some huge mistakes we've made. Can we just admit real quick that all of us make mistakes? Can we just go ahead and just acknowledge that? Can we just acknowledge that there's not one person online in the room that has not messed up? I don't know what it is about church people sometimes thinking we got to be so fake all the time. It's like, oh, no, my marriage is perfect. I love being single. You can have things in your life that you don't like, and not only that you don't like, but where you're not actually doing all that well, where, where if you had to do it over again, you wish you could go back in some time machine, change things around, make things better. None of us are perfect. Some of your friends aren't interested in coming to church because they think they have to be perfect. Little do they know they'd be in a row filled with ratchet people. There's just ratchet people to the left and to the right. They'll fit right at home. They'll be right at home. Because none of us is perfect. The reality is, for most of us, it's a really small difference between us and maybe somebody who's even in jail. Because they got caught and we didn't. Breakups and divorces or bankruptcies. They got caught, we didn't. And if we had been caught, we'd be in the same spot somebody else is in. Now, the interesting thing is the Bible does not call us mistakers. The Bible calls us sinners. <laughs> okay? Mistakers is nicer. It's like, I'm a mistaker. Well, the Bible's like, nah, <laughs> you a sinner. And... And this word makes us uncomfortable because we don't use the word sin. I mean, other than probably at church. I mean, I don't know who of you this past week, were like, unless you go to the Dallas Theological Seminary or something like that, you would had to talk about sin. Most of us are not at work and like, oh, man, yeah, I sinned yesterday. I mean, nobody talks like that. And we all actually don't even want to feel all that bad about ourselves. But, but the reality is the Bible uses this word sinner. This is what makes the love of God so amazing. It's because God actually looks at the sourness of our souls and he says, I'm going to love you anyway. 
This is what makes it so powerful that God's holiness can still connect with us even though we have made mistakes and many of us are a hot mess. And God says, no, I'm pursuing you anyway. I wonder if this is one of the reasons uh, we like the movies that we like. Because you know when you see you know, a movie and like the princess is supposed to marry the one prince, but, but she doesn't love the prince. She loves like the pauper. She loves the beggar guy. And we're like, oh, no, don't go for the prince. Go for this. So this is Bachelor for some of y'all. You're like, no, don't go for him. You need to go for him. Everybody thinks he's fine, but he ain't nothing. You need to go for this guy over here. There's something about the unlikely connection. I wonder. I don't know, but I just wonder if there's something in our souls that identifies with that because we recognize that we were unlikely choices for God. That God could actually have anyone, if you will, but he still chooses you. That he can be betrothed, he can marry anybody, but he still chooses you. Our text today in Romans chapter 6 is telling us that while we were still sinners, Christ was dying for us. That while the, he died for the ungodly. And this book of Romans, oh man, it's a meaty book. If you ever want to not only feel deeply, but think deeply, read this book of Romans. I've gone through it a, a, a number of times and I've underlined so many different verses. It's so incredibly challenging, hard to understand at times too, but worth the effort and the energy to allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate what he was trying to speak to us from these words. It is so powerful, but, but the, the, the glorious story of salvation is told throughout this book. God's ability to redeem and, and bring righteousness to our unrighteousness and to make humanity whole and, and the plan of salvation, it's all in there. I, uh, I was talking with uh, a friend, this is a, a couple of years ago, I want to call him a friend, a, a guy I had met, our kids were like on the same soccer team, you know, so you kind of have to talk to these people. And, uh, not just kidding, I, I, I love talking to brand new people. And we were, we were just talking and hanging out, waiting for a random practice, and we're just talking and um, he was a, he's a Jewish doctor, and uh, he found out I was a pastor. So we started talking about, like, faith and religion, and he's asking me, asking me questions, just like maybe somebody at your job would be going to ask you questions when they find out, you know, you go to church. So, so he, he's asking me questions. He's like, okay, why would a loving God allow bad things to happen in the world? You know, great, great question. It's a question I've had, and maybe it's a question you've had. And I, I can't put a bow on all of the questions he was asking. It would take some time for us to wrestle through things. But, but one thing I said to him, I said, okay, you know how when some babies are born, because the parents have a disease, the disease gets passed on to the child. Like the child doesn't have to do anything. It's like in the bloodstream. And he goes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you know, there's, there's some, different, some different sicknesses that would be like that. I said, this is like the, the sin sickness. And Adam and Eve, in the beginning, the original mom and dad decided, I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. God, we don't want you. We don't want your way. We want our own way. And in that, it infected the bloodstream of humanity. And every person after that has, has this infection, if you will, called sin. And the only way for it to be redeemed is not by you and I doing good works. 
It's not even by church attendance. It's not by giving money. It's not by being nice to people. It's not by caring for the poor. Those, are not, those might be good things, but none of those things can remedy this sickness that we have. The only thing that is able to remedy it was Jesus Christ getting on our old rugged cross for all of us and taking the penalty of sin and shame and death and taking it upon himself, defeating death, hell, and the grave, rising from the dead. Now all of us can be reconciled to God. Uh, Look with me at Luke chapter 18. Um, this This is a great story. It's a little parable that Jesus told. Matthew, Mark, Luke. This is the third gospel, Luke chapter 18. Look at this in verse number nine. It says, to some who are confident of their own righteousness. And that's some of us today. Confident in our own righteousness. We're like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I don't need any help. Okay. Uh, They're confident of their own righteousness, and they look down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went to church, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. From right off the bat, Jesus is doing the extremes of the moral spectrum. The Pharisee being the holy one, the tax collector being the ratchet one. The the Pharisee being the one everybody wanted to be like, the tax collector being the one that everybody wanted to avoid. That's who he has put as the main characters in this story. So the Pharisee and the tax collector, the Pharisee stood by himself, listened to his prayer. This is his prayer, okay? God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers. And I thank you that I'm not even like this tax collector. This is his prayer. He looks across the room at church and goes, I'm better than that guy. Then he says, let me tell you how good I am, God. I fast twice a week. And I give a tenth. I tithe all I get. Not just my money, but everything I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Who do you want to be in this story? Do you want to be the Pharisee? Do you want to be the one that says, hey, I'm good. I got it. I fast twice a week. I give, I'm kind, I'm nice, I'm pleasant. Or, or when you look at this story, you say, no, I identify more with the tax collector. I want to be someone that's not banking on my own works or my own righteousness. I want to be someone that understands that I'm in need of God's grace, God's love, God's forgiveness, and God's redemption. The difficulty is many people are avoiding church because they feel like the church has been like this Pharisee. The church has been looking at everybody else going, hey, we're holy. We're so holy. Thank you, God, that we're not like that world out there, that world and all their music, that world and all their twerking. I almost twerked, and I thought, I can't do that. (laughs) Earl, Earl, pull it in, pull it back right now. 
So I'm gonna end up as a GIF. <laughs> but I felt it coming. <laughs> I still feel, no, just kidding. Uh, you, you look at the world, you think, oh, they're so bad. They're so evil. And yes, there's evil in the world. And yes, there's brokenness in the world. But what's difficult is there is evil and brokenness in the church. Why is it, and there's a book called Respectable Sins by a guy named Jerry Bridges. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful book. And, and he calls the church sins respectable sins. Because what we like to do is we like to look at the world and tell them how dirty and disgusting they are. The whole time we want to walk in pride, want to gossip, want to be unkind, don't want to walk with love. Joy. Come on, don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. The, the fruit of the Spirit is not exemplified in our life, but we feel like, well, since I'm just not loving, at least I didn't kill anybody. And Jesus here is giving this parable for us, saying, hey, church people, stop putting your righteousness in your works and understand that you are in need of this glorious sea because there's something about humility. The idea of sinner is, like I said, I know it's foreign to us. But look at this verse of scripture, okay? Look at this verse because this, this is going to be unique for some of us to understand because we would think, well, I, I, I haven't, you know, killed anybody, so I'm not that bad. And I'm not trying to tell you you're bad per se, which I could. Uh, I'm just trying to let us know that we're sinners. Well, I, I, I haven't done the worst stuff. Oh, okay. Look at this verse, James chapter 2, verse number 10. This is what the Bible teaches us. James chapter 2, verse number 10. It says, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking how much of it? All of it. Wait. Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. He's talking here about God's law. It says here, God's law is not piecemealed like we do with our laws. That is to say, if you jaywalk, you did not rob the bank. We understand that. God's law is seamless. It's whole. So when you break one piece of the law, you break the whole law. Uh, the question probably is, why would a loving God even have any laws? But I'd ask you, why do you, a loving person, even have any laws? Because you have some. Uh, how about a little made-up story, a little made-up story. Um, who, who's dating somebody right now? You're dating somebody? Raise your hand. You're dating somebody? Come on. You're not, even, you're not proud of it? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Y'all going to have to deal with that, okay? You're going to have to deal with that. You're like, well, it's complicated right now. I mean, it's kind of weird. I don't know. I don't even know. How many of y'all want to date somebody? You want to date somebody? You better raise your hand. Come on. This could be your moment. This could be your moment. You better throw that hand up.
So you, <laughs> you wanna, you wanna date somebody. Oh, fellas, say, say, you got the girl of your dreams. Girl of your dreams. She's on your arm. Y'all are walking together. I don't know, you're walking together. You're just walking like, mm-mm, this is my girl, girl, my dreams. Yeah, what's up, baby? And you guys are just walking, and, and I don't know, you're, you're out going to dinner somewhere, and, and, and some dude, uh, you see him walking towards you, and he walks up to you, and you're with your girl, and he looks at you and slaps you in the face. Will Smith you. It works. It works. Man, I'm forgiving him. He shouldn't have done it, though. So he, uh, <laughs> you get Will Smith, bam! Your girl's right there on your arm. Okay, now, how are you feeling about this? Are you like, oh, brother, brother. I serve the most high risen savior. I, I love Jesus. I love people. I don't know why you would do such a thing. Come here, man. I forgive you. It's not even crossing our mind. I, I mean, I love Jesus a lot. If somebody walks up and slaps me and I'm with my wife, we're throwing hands, okay? We're just, someone's gonna have to come get me because if I get my behind whooped, I'm getting my behind whooped, but they're gonna have at least a scratch. You know, I'm doing, I'll go, I'll do whatever I need to do to make sure they know you can't just slap me. Why not? I've got laws. I've got some boundaries. I've got things in my life that is not okay for you to do to me. Yeah, I'm a loving person, but just because I'm loving doesn't mean you get to treat me any way you want to treat me. This is some of the problem that some of us are having in our relationships because we are not teaching people how to treat us. This is why they're taking advantage of you. This is why they keep on uh, uh, disrespecting you. This is why nobody at your job is doing it's because you're teaching them how to treat you. You got to let people know, no, 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 no. If I'm in a meeting, don't, don't, don't you dare dress me down like that. If you have laws, that makes sense to you. Why would we think that the God who created everything can't have any laws? Why is it all right for... For you to say, you can't stab me in the back. You can't gossip about me. But it's not okay for God to have some laws. Maybe I can change the word from laws to lines. Because people cross lines in your life. And if somebody crosses a line in your life, some of you have cut people off. You ain't never going to talk to them again. They're trying to be like, hey, hey, you know, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, you, you better be sorry. Don't ever come, don't, don't text me, don't call me, don't DM me. Don't. You've cut them because they cut you. So now, you being the loving person you are, having standards and rules in your life, and we have the God who created everything, and he has some standards and rules 
as well. What does this God do? Again, Romans chapter 5, verse number 6. Yet while we were, at, yet at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm not trying to make much of our sin. I'm trying to make much of the God that would love us despite our sin. I'm not trying to elevate our bad behavior. I'm trying to let us understand the depravity of who we were and are. And then God in his graciousness and mercy said, hey, I'm going to love you anyway. Because that word ungodly means failing to honor what is sacred. The, 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 word, the word sinner means like it's a loss from falling short of something that God approved. And the Bible here tells us that even though you and I have crossed lines with him, even though you and I have slapped him in the face, even though you and I have have disrespected him even though you and I have fallen short and have not held sacred the very thing the very one who is the most sacred even while we were still doing that Christ died for us anyway if you and I don't understand the ungodliness and the sinner then how can we really appreciate the love and the grace that God has sent our way. There's this uh, story. Uh, it shows up in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All of them have the same character in them. All the Gospels don't share all the same things. And they definitely share from different perspectives. But, but this one guy shows up in all of them. His name is Barabbas. Barabbas, you can jot down the verses like in Matthew, I think it's 27 or something like that, uh, in Mark, in Luke, and in John. In John, I think it's John uh, 18 or so. But he, he shows up, this guy Barabbas, and we find out he's a notorious prisoner. Uh, not notorious like Biggie, but notorious, <laughs> meaning he actually did some really bad things, made some terrible choices. Now, uh, he thinks he's justified in these choices because he was a part of an insurrection. The Romans are taking over his land. He's like, I'm coming at these Romans. They can't have my land. And Rome says, no, nah, we're not having that. And they put him in jail. The guy's in prison. He is, we understand, a murderer. He has taken someone else's life. He's in prison the same time that Jesus is in prison. The festival is about to happen, and the guy named Pontius Pilate, who kind of runs this area, steps out in front of the people and says, hey, I'm going to release to you one of these two prisoners. You can have Jesus, who, from what I understand, has not really done anything but made these claims, or you can have this guy Barabbas, who actually killed someone. Who do you want? And the people begin to shout, and they say, we want. Barabbas to be free. So there are some interesting things about this guy, Barabbas. One, his name. It's a fusion of a couple of words. Bar means son of. Abba means father. So his name means son 
of Father. He's standing up there next to Jesus, who is the son of the Father. These two individuals, though similar in name, and some theologians would say that Barnabas' full name was actually Jesus Barabbas, but, uh, or Bar Barabbas' full name was Jesus Barabbas, but here they are standing, and they're in front of the whole crowd, and the crowd says, we want Barabbas to be free. We want the one who made the mistakes to go free and the one that didn't make any mistakes to die. This, my friends, is a picture of me and you. And we're the ones in all four Gospels that are standing there. And we're guilty. And Jesus is standing right there. And the world says, oh, no, no, let, let them free. Let them free. Let them free. And we go free and we think, yeah, I'm awesome. Yeah, it wasn't all that bad what I did. Yeah, I deserve to be free. And Barabbas, I'm just letting you know, you're not free because of you. You're free because of the one that was standing up there next to you. And you and I are free, not because of who we are, but it's because of the one that was standing up there next to us. And because this Savior said, I'll take your place, Barabbas, this is what Jesus has done for every single one of us. He has taken our place and our ungodliness and our sin and our unrighteousness. We deserve to die, but Jesus says, I'll be here for you at just the right time. In Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 5, uh, verse number 6, it says, yet, uh, yet at just the right time, at just the right time, at just the right time, at just the right time. Like it, had Barabbas been in jail at any other time, Jesus would not have been there. But at just the right time, Jesus ended up in jail. And I feel like for all of us, at just the right time, Jesus showed up and said, hey, yes, it might be 12 years. It might be 25 years. It might be 35 years of you going your own way, doing your own thing, the mistakes that you have made. But I'm telling you, I'm here at just the right time and the blood that I shed all those years ago is the same blood that is still good today it never loses its power and I will free you but I've got to die in order for you to be free I've got to die for you to be free while we were still powerless 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 or still powerless the, the, the word powerless, uh, uh, obviously understand, you know, without power, but it carries the idea of like, you don't have the necessary resources. You don't have the funds. Um, my, uh, I didn't ask him if I could share this story. I asked him a long time ago, but I didn't ask him for today. So I've got this, I got this check here. Uh, my oldest son, uh, Parker, was uh, selling some shoes on like StockX or something like that. And, uh, and the shoes that he was selling, uh, he was trying to sell them for like $200. And this guy, I'm assuming it was a guy, um, because a lady would never do something this deceptive. Uh, this guy says, hey, I'm going to send you a check and I want to pay $400 for your shoes. Parker's like, wait, what? 
I'm going to send you this check, just cash it, and then keep the 400, send me the difference. So Parker got a check for $1,980 sent to him. And he comes to me, Dad, <laughs> Dad, you're never going to guess what happened. God's blessing me. <laughs> He's taking care of me, Dad. <laughs> I'm trying to sell these shoes for 200 and this guy wants to buy them for 400 All I got to do is cash his check, give him the difference. I just got to send him the 1580 I keep the rest of it. We're Gucci. I said, Parker, don't cash that check, brother. There's no money in that account. Dad, I'm, I'm doing it. So he goes up. He, he signed it. Look, he signed it. He signed the check, took a picture of it on his little Bank of America app. And uh, Bank of America said, we're putting a hold on this one. <laughs> they did not cash it. Because you know what happens when you, when you take a picture of a check, your bank basically kind of gives you that money before, before they've taken the money out of the other account. So, so what this person was hoping is that Parker would cash this. The bank would go, okay, yep, here's the money. And then a couple of days later, when his Bank of America went to go pull money out of this account, there'd be no money there. And then they would come back to Parker and go, uh, excuse me, sir, we gave you $1,980. We need all that money back because the check didn't cash. So he's not able to cash it because there's no money in the account. <laughs> Insufficient funds. This is your good works. This is your good behavior. This is you, I go to church. This is you, I'm kind. insufficient funds it is not enough for you to make yourself right with God if you want to stand before God on judgment day and go look at all the stuff I've done that's irrelevant his question is what did you do with my son did you receive the forgiveness of your sins? Did you put your faith in him or was your faith in you? And our world is living a life of insufficient funds. Thinking it's enough to be cash and God's going, I can't do anything with that. There is only one deposit that can be made that will be sufficient to cleanse a man or a woman of the stain of sin and shame and brokenness. And the only thing that is worth enough is what Jesus Christ did on the cross. I know this hurts our ego. I know this bothers us because we want to think that we can do enough to make ourselves right with God. But this is the power of the gospel that no matter where a person lives in the world, no matter what their language is, no matter how much education they have, no matter what school that they went through, no matter if they're married or single, no matter if they're competent or maybe they have learning disabilities, all of that is irrelevant because it's not based on you in the first place. 
You were never able to cash the check. Your works were never enough. It was always the grace of Almighty God at just the right time. Christ died for all of us. For all of us. This is the gospel that we preach. And now all the good works we do, we do them because of the good work that he did for us. Not to earn anything, but because he's already freely given us everything. At just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. This is the beauty of the gospel. This is what we celebrate. And that's why we're going to keep lifting up Jesus. And as we do, he's going to draw every man and woman to himself. If you wouldn't mind, family, bow your heads for just a moment. In the room, online, in additional seating. If you've made a mistake, welcome to the family. If you've messed up at any point in time, welcome to being human. But if you're still trusting in yourself, in your own works, to make yourself right with God, then I have for you the moment of truth. For you, I'm saying you no longer need to put your hope and your trust in yourself. Your hope and your trust can be in Jesus. So if you're under the sound of my voice, you've never given your heart to Christ, or at one point in time you did, you slipped away. And today you're saying, I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way. I don't want to be first. I want Jesus Christ to be first. I'm not asking, do you have a Bible? I'm not asking if you were baptized at some point in time. That's not my question. My question is, is have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you trusted him for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can be in that right relationship with God? If that's you, you've never done it, or one point in time you did, you slipped away. On the count of three, I just want you to throw your hand in the air and say, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart and my life to Christ. Ready? One, two, three. Just throw your hand up in the air and say, yep, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. You've got friends all over. Come on, raise your hand. Additional seating. Raise your hand online. Yep, you're saying, yep, that's me. That's me. I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way. I want this unending grace to transform Transform me from a sinner into a saint, from lost to found, from ungodly to whole. I'm going to ask everyone to do me a favor. Put your hand over your heart if you would not mind. Every person, I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, can we lift our heads up, clap our hands, church family. Come on, let's clap our hands like we prayed for these people. Come on. What a beautiful moment.